Welcome to BusinessWorks. Are you thinking about starting a business? Well, we're going to talk about that. This is Hal Alpiar along with Johnny Stites. And uh, one of the things we have is a report from the National Federation of Independent Business. And they say that uh, business optimism, small business optimism is now stronger than ever. Uh, actually, they they show that they prove that it's the strongest it's been in 34, 35 years now, and that this is a point in time where a lot of people are getting started with new business thinking and ideas. And we're going to talk about some interesting aspects of that, and and the kinds of new people that we're talking about, which might surprise you. Uh, Johnny, you want to say hello and. <laughs> well, I do, and uh, one of the things I would, having been a small business owner, one of the things that I would like to point out is that small businesses are typically the first to react to a changing economy because they feel they're right on the front lines. They're point of the spear in many ways. Small business hires more people than large business. Uh, small business starts more business than large business. So there's a lot of positive aspects to being a small business person but we also fail. A lot of small business fails. Uh, it's very half of them are gone in five years, and three fourths of them are gone in seven years. So you just have to be sure that when you start a small business, you have your rocks in place and everything is working correctly, and you're not out there on a, a fairyland hoping that you're going to be successful. But you really made some good intelligent decisions. That so are it's, help it's help great them. to be confident, but not to the point where um, you're losing control of your directional thinking and your planning and all of that, because yeah. the confidence isn't going to carry a business uh, all by itself. It, it's certainly important aspect, uh, and certainly in terms of startups. But if we don't have some direction, it's very hard to get to a place if you don't know where you're going. Well, that's right. And we've said many times on this program, vision without traction is hallucination. So you have to know how you're going to get to the vision. If you don't have that clearly defined in your own mind and all the other people in your business, you're likely not going to succeed. Current openings in work right now in jobs are up 35% from last year. And we're finding uh, that small business owners are having problems now finding employees because that's becoming one of the most difficult aspects of running a business. So there are balances here where things are confident and everything seems to be on a roll. There are also some things on the opposite side of that coin. Exactly and, uh, right. You, all maybe the, you get an example or something. All Charlie the small can, business people that I've talked to are optimistic about the future but they're very pessimistic about their ability to react to it because they need more people. They need more people who are willing to work. And those people uh, are hard to find, people who are willing to work. The whole notion in our nation that we have millions of people just go off the rolls, they're not looking for a job anymore, is insane to me. And what are those people doing? What do they expect? How do they expect their futures to change? If they're not going to be out there looking for a job, trying to get attraction toward their vision, and if they just are sitting down and saying, I'm just not going to apply for any jobs right now, and they're expecting some different future for themselves, they're just absolutely hallucinating. 
Well, and there's a lot of discussion about not needing any more four-year education and all that sort of thing. I think one of the things I wanted to mention uh, relates to the, all of this, and it's something that there's a great deal of resistance about, but it's true. Entrepreneurs are born, not made. You can learn all kinds of things about how entrepreneurs think, how they behave, the things they do, but it doesn't make you be an entrepreneur. It, it makes you more informed and you're going to be better at what you do. But true entrepreneurs are people who have that instinct inside them and it's just – it's there. So the, it's not something that y you can create. Or learn, you know, learn and then you know change your way of behavior. So, so put that little thought aside and realize that what's valuable is to learn how entrepreneurs think, how they solve problems, how they go about day to day, and adopt some of that to your own thinking. Because one of the things we're learning right now is that not all startups are white collar tech businesses, and 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 we want to talk about that for a minute. Um, the other thing I would add to that, uh, Hal, yes, is that yeah, I was just going to ask you. I think it's important for people to understand that uniquely entrepreneurs are different because of their penchant for risk and for beginning new new opportunities. But just because you are born with that does not mean you're guaranteed to be successful. Right. You still have to do what successful people do to be successful. And well, that's, uh, you mentioned risk. I mean, reasonable risk is what entrepreneurs take. They, people think entrepreneurs are like crazy people running around and doing all kinds of bizarre things, and they're they're not. They take reasonable risks in developing their business. Well, if they don't, they're not going to last very long. Right. They right. sure aren't. So, so one of the trends we're seeing now is um, toward blue collar businesses and starting businesses um, at at. Uh, higher ages and some of the most popular businesses that are starting up are in the trucking and construction industry. So maybe that's something that, um, Johnny, you've had a lot of experience in that, uh, in the construction field. And 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 you see that uh, blue collar or traditionally skilled trade work are becoming more mainstream, so to speak, in, in starting businesses and entrepreneurial directions. Well, that's right, Hal. Uh, I spent 45 years in a construction business and grew a company. You're that from, old? Uh, yeah, that was it. <laughs> uh, and it's been the only job I've had um, in my life other than serving in the armed forces. So what I was going to say is that when I, when you're in business like that, you have to you have to be right. You can't make mistakes because when you're little and you make a mistake, you're out of business. If you're a big multinational corporation and you've got hundreds of millions of dollars at your disposal, you can make a mistake and recover from it. It's not so among small business people. They typically can't make those mistakes. So right now you've got people struggling and striving to find good people. They don't know where to go to look for them. We're going to take a break right here and find out where those people go. Thank you. Welcome back to Business Works. This is Hal and Johnny. Uh, we were talking about uh, the first of all, the average age of a person who starts a new business today is 42, by the way. And that might seem surprising because we tend to think that uh, entrepreneurs today are all young techies and that sort of thing. And that's not the case. Some of the most popular businesses, uh, as we started mentioning, trucking and construction business, 
Johnny was telling us about his uh, his 85 years of working uh, in the <laughs> in the construction field, and or was oh it was 185. Sorry. Um, anyway, maybe you could share a little more, Johnny, about that and uh, the the point that you brought up that we were just talking about uh, off the microphones here. So I think. Uh, <laughs> While I may look 85 years in the business, it was actually only 45 years. And and the hiring of good people was always something we dealt with in construction. Um, many construction people are in the industry because they don't think they had an option. And I'll give you an example. I was visiting one of our uh, technical schools in the state of Tennessee, and uh, I noticed over to the side there was uh, about 10 or 12 kids standing in the corner. Looked like they were waiting for something, and I went over to ask them. I said, so what are you all doing here today? Well, we're waiting for a welding school to start. I said, really? I said, are you excited about it? Ah, it's just a job. I said, no, it's not a job. It's a career. I said, do you have any idea what a teacher with 40 years' experience and a master's degree makes in Tennessee? No. I said about 45000 Everybody calls that a career. Do you know what you will make when you leave this class with a certification as a welder? No, I have no idea. I said you can start at 60000 If you're good, you can be at six figures pretty soon because everybody's looking for that level of expertise. I said I call that a pretty good career. What do you all think? Oh, we didn't know that. <laughs> so a lot of what is happening now is a program called Go Build, right. which is bringing to the attention of the public all the opportunities that are available in construction from accounting all the way down to labor. Well, and, that, you know, that's very helpful to know. And I, where do we find out about that? Well, Go Build is just gobuild.com. I think you can find Thank that you. in okay, good. Tennessee. And it's G-O-B-U-I-L-D, Go um, Build. A new another survey that's just out shows eight of the top ten highest earning industries for small business ownership come from the blue collar sector, and and that the concept of needing a four year college degree and compiling large debt along the way is challenged by these results. It's interesting when you see the uh, the ten fastest growing industries in small business. And and um, you know how they uh, how they're working, and it has to do with the uh, general freight trucking, uh, foundation structure, building exterior contractors, uh, services to buildings and dwellings, specialized freight trucking, computer systems design and related services, other specialty trade contractors, um, utility systems construction, machinery equipment supplies, merchant wholesalers residential building construction and building equipment contractors so those are the you know those are among those and uh, and we see in there um a lot of examples of what you're just talking about that there are a lot of reasons to go to school but they may not be to get a degree and think that then now you're going to turn around and waltz into you know starting your own business um because you have a degree the, well the whole point hal is that education it's not an event. Right. It's a journey. Right. And we should be learning. Here I am, seventy, almost 72. I'm still learning. I'm still trying to apply that learning in my everyday life. You are too. Well, it's, you're older than I am. So. Oh, yeah, a lot older. <laughs> so we end up no, that's uh, true. having an opportunity 
uh, as young people to begin, and we build on that learning as we go forward. And sooner or later, we get really good at what we're doing because we have added to it. Now, the ones who study in school and get a good education in reading and writing and arithmetic, when they get out, they're going to have a great foundation to build on as they continue to learn in specific industries. Well, and as you get older, you start to learn how to shift gears. Yes, uh, you do. And, and, and make use of what you've learned and how to put that all together. Well, I, I remember one time sending a brake mason that worked for me over to the high school to talk to a math class. So you think, well, what in the world is a brake mason talking to a math class? Well, his message to the math students was, learn this trade because I didn't learn math and I didn't learn accounting. I never had the opportunity to run my own business. And so it's important that young people realize that education is not something you do up to that 12th grade and then you quit. That's just the beginning. If you go to college, that adds another layer of training. But again, it's just the beginning. Your whole life should be about learning how to improve yourself, your family, your community, your country, uh, the world. And many, I think, of the millennials are doing that. They're excited about making improvements. Although I would add, the same thing occurred when I was a young person. We thought we were going to change the world in the 60s. The next group thought they were going to change the world, and the next group thought they were going to change the world. The ones that really make the difference are the ones that do the heavy lifting. They really work hard at becoming better themselves. And that's the hardest change of all to make, as you know. Well, it is. And I, uh, one, of the, one of the books I wrote was about a, uh, a gentleman who came here from uh, – uh, he was Israeli and he came here from Germany uh, under Hitler. And he, he managed to escape and uh, his family was in the Holocaust and all that sort of thing. And he got to the United States, 15 years old, could not speak any English – uh, took a job selling newspapers on the street um, and then worked his way into working on a chicken farm in in Delaware and had the just the dirtiest crummiest job you can imagine and he was he was just so uh, pleased to have that work and he developed that he somehow made a um, a transfer of thinking from what he was doing into a fabric uh, business. And he developed that into a multi-million dollar fabric business and ended up becoming an advisor to six governors and to the White House. He, and he worked hard and he put up with all of the upsets and just did the things that you're talking about, um, you know, built family relationships, worked on all of the aspects of his life and let it lead him into that direction. And he became very well known. Well, anybody will tell you that's been successful – their success started when they started taking the time to observe what's going on around them. And so maybe we should talk about that in our next break, about how we can begin to look around us and see things that will be helpful to us, not in just this job, but in the next job. That's good. If we take a break, we can start to look around. Bro. <laughs> yep. All right. Thank you. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back. This is Hal and Johnny on BusinessWorks. Johnny, want to finish up uh, where you started before the break? Yeah, we were talking about uh, being observant, looking around, making sure that you're taking advantage of every opportunity. Uh, you mentioned the guy who was just 
shoveling out manure in the chicken coops, and uh, yet he turned his life around and began to be very successful in a number of ways. What I've observed is success has a lot of the same markers. If you if you're just paying attention in one business, you can take things that you learn from that business and use it over into another business. So it's important that you, as a young person or as an older person, make sure that you do the things that create success in the business that you're in, because if you do that, you're going to get a raise. And uh, right, and, your, your boss is going to appreciate it. And and be more realistic in your thinking um, is is a kind of good rule of thumb. Instead of looking to start the next Uber, uh, you know, think about the next industry or section of industry that you could uh, you could make a difference with with just what you've got and your way of thinking and your planning. Well, there's there's not any business anywhere on the face of the earth that doesn't have room for improvement. The thing that makes it difficult for people to improve is that the first thing you have to do is look at what you're not doing well. You have to first be able to identify that, and then you have to have the courage to acknowledge it, that you're not doing it well, that your company's not doing it well. Oftentimes, as owners of the company, we don't see it as quickly as our customers do. So being in tune with your customers, your clients, the people you're working for, providing your service for, or your product for, you absolutely must be in connection with them and have an open line to their feedback to keep you from being myopic in the way you view your business. Because we'd all like to think we're just doing great. Right. But you remember that old saying that Jesus said, it's much easier to cast that that, uh, speck out of your neighbor's eye than it is the beam in your own eye because you can't see the beam. <laughs> so well, hopefully and and, and, and by everything you're saying here by the way and and those and if you're listening to this this uh this applies not just to customers but to uh clients uh to patients if you're a, a healthcare professional because we you know that it doesn't matter i think there's a a big gap there in thinking that somebody is a doctor and therefore they don't have to think uh in business terms or that they you know they can designate that to somebody else um and and the reality is that that gets very expensive and that it is important to build the practice to have a good sense of business direction so it doesn't matter whether we're talking about a professional practice here or a lawyer or accountant uh, or what have you, or we're talking about a blue-collar operation uh, of, a, of a trucking business. It, 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 the dynamics are the same, and the thinking is very much the same. So it's how you apply what you know and how you think about it and plan it. You know, I'm reminded of, and I think I might have mentioned this on an earlier program, of Ivy Lee, who was a consultant, to Charles Schwab, who was in the steel business with Bethlehem Steel. Ivy Lee uh, was asked by Charles Schwab if he'd come and tell him how to improve his business because his steel mill was not doing well. A particular one that was that was uh, with Bethlehem Steel was not doing well. So Ivy Lee came and interviewed all the, the uh, employees, the executive team, I should say, of the steel company at Bethlehem Steel. And then he he told uh, Charles Schwab, don't pay me anything. You do, let me put in practice what I'm teaching your executives. 
if and then you pay me what you think it's worth. And there were five things he told the executive. First, at the end of every workday, you write down the six most important things you need to accomplish tomorrow. You write them down, not more than six, just six. You then prioritize those six in order of their true importance. Once you get that done, when you arrive the next day, you concentrate on the first task, the most, the highest priority task, number one, and you work until that's done before you move on to the second task. Then, So, the, excuse me, you make the list first, and then you designate priorities. You yes. make them number one, two, they may be all over the place, but to number them. You number so them when in you order come in in the morning, you, that you attack number one. You attack okay. number one. The reason it's important to do it the day before is the hardest part of any task is getting started. If you're going to be a runner, getting off the couch is the hardest part of the day, the hardest part of the run. Once you get started running, then finishing it is not nearly as hard. But if you don't get off that couch, you're never going to make that run. When you arrive that day, you work on the first task. When it's finished, you go to the second. And you do that the the rest of your list in the same way. You go from second to third to fourth to fifth. If you get all six of them done, you had a great day. Then you repeat that process every working day. And what happened was Ivy Lee did this and left. And after a very short period of time, three months, Charles Schwab went to those uh, Ivy Lee and said, this has made such a profound effect in Bethlehem Steel. He wrote him a check for $25,000, which was a ton of money. ton of money in those days. Back in that mm-hmm. early part of the 20th century. How do you deal with uh, you know, interruptions? Because when you have a list of six things you want to attack, inevitably there will be 24 interruptions in between all of that. Uh, does that require you to reassess the the priority numbers? Or that's, that's a great question. Tell people to go get lost, or what, what do you do? Well, that's the great that's a great question, and it goes back to the old pro- proverb: "Don't let the urgent take the place of the important." Ah. Don't let the urgent take the place of the important. Now, if something comes up that's more important, all of a sudden, and you can make it number one, then you work on that. But you're always working on the most important item. So stay focused, and, um, and, and you can't and do that. Keep moving forward. All right. Well, but we we thank you for listening with us today, and uh, hope if you're listening to the podcast, we hope that uh, you'll realize it's twenty four seven. You can get us at. Uh, Newstalk941.com slash podcasts, and and you'll find us there uh, all the time. So you can go back and forth and check on things we say and then send us emails and tell us how wrong we are. We'll be happy to have have your info, input about that, and uh, we appreciate the who we've heard from already. Thank you. Have a great day.